there, it's Amy Guth. Welcome back to the Amy Guth Show podcast. The big topic today is I'm going to be digging into the practice and the tools around coming up with ideas. And the reason I'm doing that is because I've heard a lot of folks lately talking about, I would do X if only I had an idea. I would write more if only I had an idea. I would blog all the time if only I had an idea. I would start a podcast if only I had ideas of what to talk about. I would do this creative thing that I'm dying to do if only I had an idea of what to do within that container. So today we're going to dig into that because I'm a little bit obsessed with tools to facilitate idea creation. I write about this a lot on my Substack, goof.substack.com. I love to help people kind of unlock that because look, ideas are free and unlimited. I don't really get super bent when I, you know, start a project and then sit it and then like set it down and someone else kind of does a similar project. I mean, it's a bummer. But also like ideas are unlimited. I'm, I am not defined by one idea and neither are you. We all have unlimited ideas. We just kind of need some tools to unlock them. So that's the big focus of today's episode. And that's what we're going to get into in the, in the second part of the show. We're going to talk about some of those tools that I've used, some of the tools that I've taught others that I've used as a facilitator that I use all the time for myself. I'm going to share all those with you. But first, let's talk about some headlines that caught my eye recently. A lot of these are in my newsletter, Five Things Worth Sharing. You can subscribe at my website, amyguth.com. Here's what drove the, the, the most recent newsletter. Two things that have happened to me recently. One, I had shingles. And it really sucked. It is as bad as anyone tells you. <laughs> it's It was really uncomfortable. But, you know, I got through it, or I am still getting through it. It's kind of a long process to heal from. But it reminded me how little I've been resting lately. And I'm kind of in an era of my life where a lot of my projects are converging somewhat. So it's it's been a busy era. And it's okay to have a busy era. You know, it's it's one thing if it's like busy just for the sake of being busy or busy infinity. That's a little bit different, but it's like, hey, there's a purpose behind this busyness. There's a project I'm working on. There is a beginning, middle, and end to it. It's not, this is not just going to be in perpetuity. But it reminded me not only, hey, I've not been resting very much, but also like, hey, I got really stressed out. And hey, that probably helped contribute to me getting shingles in the first place. Interesting sidebar about that, though, is that now Lin-Manuel Miranda and I have something in common. A few years ago, he had shingles and he tweeted a few days beforehand, like, wow, I've got one of the worst migraine headaches I've had in years. And then a couple of days later, realized that that was kind of uh, the first step of, of shingles for him. I did exactly the same thing. I haven't had a migraine since 2014 because I addressed it. I worked very hard to deal with them because I was having a lot of them and made some tweaks to prevent getting more of them. And it's worked wonderfully. I've been free of them since 2014. And I got like a whopper of a migraine on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago. I mean, all the classic stuff, light sensitive, sound sensitive, just had to like lay in the dark and press on my forehead with a pillow. It was really rough. And then a short time later the body pain started and then, you know, the shingles situation happened and it was a bummer. But it, you know, I think with a lot of things, a tough experience can give you time to think and remind you of some other stuff. 
So that was one. And then two was I had a birthday. And on my birthday, I write myself sort of a kind of a letter, sort of a love letter, but also sort of a performance review and also sort of a forecast. I say, okay, here's here's where I'm at and here's where I want to be. Here's what I'm working on right now. Kind of capture the snapshot of here's what's going on in my life right now. Here's what's frustrating to me. Here's what's bringing me joy. And then I think specifically of the past year and think what went well? What could I have done better? You know, that kind of stuff. So so it's all of those kind of things. And then I sort of set some goals and say, okay, well, in the next year or two, this is what I'd, I'd like it to look like. This is what I'd like my, my life to look like. And so all that stuff came together, right? You know, the shingles thing, both in... Wow, even though I'm I'm excited about the stuff I'm working on, I am busy and I'm kind of wearing myself out because look at the health outcome that happened. And also look at how much resting while recuperating from it has pointed to how little downtime I have right now. You know, not a complaint because again, I'm I'm loving everything I'm doing. But it was all those sort of things that that converged. And so my most recent newsletter, I sort of focused on that. The five links that I picked were all kind of about, you know, the big questions in life. And I linked to a piece from the Atlantic that was really interesting. The headline of it is why Americans care so much about work. Really interesting. Wired wrote about the same topic also. The headline in that one is tech layoffs reveal America's unhealthy obsession with work. Both of those I think are definitely worth reading because it really reminds you to ask, what is this for? Because as I said, there's a difference between working for the sake of work and working to do a thing with a clear beginning, middle and end. And if you are doing the kind of work that kind of looks the same every day, it's easy to get caught up in it. And because Human brains want stories. We want a clear beginning, middle, and end. That when we're doing a task that looks kind of the same every day, it's easy to keep adding more and more and more because our brains sort of, at least in theory anyway, it seems like our brains kind of want to get to that end point. So it's easy to add a lot of stuff. But it's sort of an invitation too to say, hey, am I adding stuff for the sake of stuff or am I really working towards something? And if so, what is that thing? So there was another link that I shared in there from Zen Habits, which is a blog I've read a really, really long time. Leo Balbuda writes that and he wrote a a piece about, hey, getting stuff done is great. And, you know, we all look into these productivity hacks and he shares a lot of things like that. But he makes this point that, hey, there's satisfaction in getting a lot of stuff done, but that's not really what drives us. And his theory is that fear drives us. Fear of what will happen if we fall too far behind or if we drop the ball or flat out fail or if we or if we've really tied our sense of self-worth to what we're accomplishing rather than just, hey, I'm inherently worthy because I'm a human being. So his point is like, hey, that fear that really motivates us is never going to go away. So is it a matter of just trying to be more productive or is it a matter of reframing the game and saying, hey, I don't, I'm not trying to get through a huge to-do list every day. I'm actually trying to do things that are meaningful to my heart, the things I want to do. And then that sort of reframes your productivity because then you're sort of pointing at something, which I think is pretty interesting. So I talked about that, but I also included a link from The Marginalian, which is another fantastic blog that I love to read. And there was a piece in there recently about jealousy and the antidote to jealousy. And I don't know about you, but I really don't have a huge relationship with jealousy. I'm not really a jealous person. Generally, when someone gives me good news or, you know, shares their own good news, I'm psyched for them because I don't think there's a cap on winning. 
I mean, for some things, right, there's only one Oscar for Best Picture. And in fact, I think it's culturally normalized to be jealous. Think about this. When was the last time you saw somebody post a photo on social media about a beautiful vacation spot? What I've noticed is that people say, I hate you. And I make a point to say something like, that's beautiful. I'm so glad you're able to get away. Or I'm so glad you're enjoying that. Or thank you for sharing your vacation with us. It looks like a wonderful adventure. Because I feel like I have to counterbalance the pile on. People are like, I'm inspired by this beautiful place. It's gorgeous and I want to share it. And then the comments are all like, hey, fuck you for doing something joyful. (laughs) Right? But again, I think that's part of that like obsessed productivity culture. That like, how dare you have joy when all the rest of us are here working? And indeed, privilege definitely factors into that for sure. And you should check your privilege and don't be bitching about your vacation knowing that not everybody can afford a fucking vacation, right? Things like that. But the idea of jealousy, I think, is so pervasive and it's so normalized that I read this piece in The Marginalian with with a lot of interest. The piece is mostly talking about like romantic and interpersonal jealousy, but I really got a lot out of it in terms of professional jealousy. But again, I don't do it often, you know, but once in a while, here's where it comes up for me. When someone is an asshole and you see them doing great, you're like, how come that person who I know is a like a shitty human being and is mean to people, or I know they cut a lot of corners. I know they've, they've done a lot of people dirty and yet they're winning right? So it's less about jealousy for me. And it's more about like an overinflated sense of justice. Like why the fuck is that person winning? They're like a terrible, reprehensible human being. How does that work? If it's somebody I like, I'm super psyched for them. If you're my friend, I'm legit psyched for you. And I'm not like, oh, good for you. And then, you know, brooding about it behind your back. I'm legit psyched for you. But it's when people who just really suck are winning that I'm like, God damn it, really? <laughs> How come that person is winning so hard when they're like such a jerk and they're so mean to people and nobody likes them? And, you know, a lot of that has to do with like power and privilege and access and funding, right? There's like people that are fearless to do stuff because they have a lot of resources. So they feel like they can't fail and they go forward. There's people that have a lot of resources and people say yes to them, even though they're a dick, just because they know like, oh, this person's going to fund this or bring a lot of clout to this project or something like that, which is all to say, reading this piece about jealousy on the marginalian, I thought made a lot of really good points about how to, how to kind of process that because the piece refers to jealousy as one of the most destructive emotions that we almost kind of degrade ourselves because it's such a consuming emotion. And I thought it was just really interesting framing. So I I really recommend that. The headline on that is Jealousy and Its Antidote, Pioneering Psychiatrist Leslie Farber on the Tangled Psychology of Our Most Destructive Emotion. Highly, highly recommend that. But on the other side of this break, we're going to dig into tools to come up with ideas for all the creative stuff that you do. Okay, here's the big focus of the show today. Coming up with ideas. A thing that I am obsessed with is tools to brainstorm because I generally think we suck at it. Here's why I have trouble with the word brainstorm because here's what usually happens. We, we've made it a very corporate thing where we get a group of people around a table 
And we say, hey, let's have a brainstorm. And then we all kind of sit there and nobody nobody names a really important thing in the room. And that is that not everybody is equally empowered to speak up and not everybody's idea will be recognized in the same way. So what will happen is somebody who does feel empowered to speak up will name a thing and there could be consequences for disagreeing with it even if it's a really shitty idea. And so everybody kind of starts nodding their head to it and like, oh yeah, that's a really good idea. I really love what he came up with. Or if the person facilitating the conversation acknowledges that first idea as a good one, often then what we do is all the subsequent things we name are just things to validate that or things that match that. And so the brainstorm becomes like a very shitty and useless thing that really is a matter of coming up with one workable idea, the first one named, and then everybody kind of yes-anding that. And that's not useful. And it sucks. And it makes us not come up with stuff. But I hear so many people talking about, I would do whatever creative thing if only I had ideas. Or people will start a thing, and we're all guilty of this. We've all done this. Start a thing and then go like, oh, I only had like three ideas for it. So I don't know, right? We see this with bloggers. We see this with podcasters. And again, we're all guilty of it because we kind of start off one way and it's like, "Mm, actually, it didn't work as well as I thought. We need to allow ourselves the creative freedom to shift. And we often don't. But today we're going to dig into tools for how to generate ideas because this is a topic I feel a lot of things about. I collect these sort of things. I've taught them to students. I've taught these uh, as a facilitator, and I use these techniques for myself. Because here's the thing. I think writer's block is actually fucking bullshit. I really do. I think it really means I'm not being honest about something or I'm not digging deeply enough. Because if you're really just like, I don't mm, I don't really know what to do with this. I don't know where to go with this story you got to stop and unpack it and you got to dig deep and say, what am I really trying to say? Or is it that I don't actually want to write this or I, I'm feeling some kind of way. So I'm committing self-sabotage because that's usually what the fuck is going on. So my number one piece of advice here for generating ideas is start a main ideas file, carry a little index card, write your shit down or put it in the notes app on your phone or just put it straight ass in a Google doc or whatever you want to do that works for you. And keep a file of all the ideas that come to your mind. Even if you're like, "Eh, I don't know if I can do that. Especially if you're like, I don't know if I can do that. So that's number one. Start a main ideas file. And then let's talk about some methods that I use. Here is one that I really like to do because it feels kind of general and just sort of starts filling up that main ideas file. The first thing you want to do is make a list of just stuff that would be cool to write about, even if you're not sure that you have the chops for it or have the access to the people you might need to interview. You know, if you're like, I would like to interview the President of the United States. Okay, the White House is probably not going to give you that kind of press credential if you're just like some random person with a blog or a podcast, but write it down anyway. Just just write it down. Just name it. Not because writing it down makes it happen or not any kind of thing like that, but just write it down to get it out of your head, just to name it. Because here's the thing, brains are fucking amazing, but here's where we fuck it up. We try to use our brains as storage instead of idea machines. So we use like, we try to keep 
everything in our brains. We try to keep our schedules in our brains. We try to like make our brains hold all this shit every day and it blocks the fucking ideas. So get everything out of your brain as much as you possibly can. Lean on a schedule to get all your appointments out of your head. Lean on lists to get ideas out of your head and free up that space in your brain to be generative, not storage. Okay. And then make a list of topics that you think your readers or listeners or whatever would like to hear about or like to know about you. Then make another list of things you have written about or talked about before. So right away, you've got some stuff there, but then go to that last list, things you've written about or talked about before and list how you would write that story again or how you would have tackled that podcast episode or whatever it is you do, knowing what you know right now. So for example, say you wrote a blog post or or did a podcast episode about something happening in your city council, and that was six months ago, and say it did really well, and it was an interesting story, and then when you go back and revisit it, you're like, actually, since then, here's this development, or since then, this story took a turn, and it's totally different. So make a list then of what is that kind of second beat follow-up thing that you might do based on work you have already done. So there again, you just added a bunch of stuff to your main ideas file. And then go through everything in that ideas file and imagine the biggest expression of each one of them. So say that you at one point wrote about or put on your list to write about a local Little League team. The biggest expression of that might be the origins of Little League baseball or even the origins of XYZ Uh, minor league baseball team or the origins of the Little League World Series or whatever, right? You get the idea. Take that thing you wrote about and do the biggest expression of it because some of that knowledge is already in your head because you've already written about it or done that podcast or whatever. So you're already halfway there to doing like a second piece about that. Then another thing you can do is I often talk about the value of the free write. And when I do this, when I have done this with students before, I've said, write without stopping. And a thing we used to talk about a lot when I worked for the op-ed project is if you're free writing and you stop and think about it, you are only capturing an edited version of your thoughts. So it's important to write without stopping because the difference is, If you write and then stop and think about it and stop and think about it, not only is your inner critic and your inner editor going to come out, and that's a different part of your brain. That's not the generative part of your brain. That's the fix it part of your brain. So not only do you not want that critical voice to catch up with you, but also by stopping, you're only kind of capturing the raft, not the full river, if that makes sense, right? Another thing I like to do is pick a number and just go for it. And if you, and just start making a list, say, I'm going to come up with 50 items even if they are completely stupid. I'm just going to keep writing. And again, by getting things out of your head and onto paper, a lot of ideas start to flow. And what will probably happen is you'll come up with 10 to 15 things really easily. Then you get kind of stuck and think, "Uh, I don't know. And you'll start naming just kind of maybe maybe things that, that don't feel like a great idea, but name them anyway. And then you push through. And suddenly you have punched through and you have kind of a little breakthrough By getting some of that clutter out of your brain, you get all these other good ideas. Another technique that I like to use for coming up with ideas is in the center of a piece of paper, write a problem that you're trying to solve or the topic that you're writing about or the topic that you've written about often, you know, generally a topic where you have knowledge 
and some credibility. And I'm, I'm saying writing, but also, you know, that's podcasting or whatever you're, you're creating work around. Write that thing. Write that topic or that question in the middle of the page. And then draw lines shooting off in each direction. And then along each line, write the question prompt. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. And next to each prompt at the end of the line, just let it rip and write everything that comes to mind. So if the thing you wrote in the center, let's stick with our baseball thing. Say you're like, hey, I've written a lot about Little League. So you write that and then you're going to go who. Okay, so that might be on the who list. That's kids, that's volunteers, that's parents, that's local officials, where, that's a local playing field, that's my community, that's this park. Under why, that's recreation, that's exercise, that's physical fitness. You get the idea. Start taking that apart and just really let it rip under each question of all the things you can think about. And you're going to find little offshoots in there. And that's going to help you generate ideas that are already in your wheelhouse, but that are going to help you stretch further out of your wheelhouse. Okay, next idea is to look at your existing body of work. Again, what are the things you're already writing about or talking about? Or doing what's your thing is it movies is it books is it clothes whatever it is go to google news do a search maybe go to social media search that topic and kind of get a sense of like what's been published lately about it what people are talking about with it sort of get that sense get your get your finger on the pulse a little bit and then ask yourself these questions what happened right before or after this because that can give you some some good places to start Ask yourself, why did it happen? Is there something that could have prevented it or made it go another way? Ask yourself, the person or company or whatever that's involved in this story that's at the center of it, what are they doing now? Or what were they doing before this happened? Ask yourself, is someone doing something similar or better than this? And does this thing that's happening in the news, that this story that's happening in the world right now, does it translate to another industry or subject or problem? Because often we can use something in the news to illustrate something else. A great example of that that we saw earlier in the pandemic is when a lot of people were suddenly working from home, suddenly there were a lot of pieces coming up talking about an unequal distribution of domestic labor for women, even in self-described egalitarian households, and how suddenly that was, that was more apparent. In a heterosexual household, we were seeing, hey, women are still picking up the bulk of domestic labor and the emotional labor of like knowing when all the soccer games are and when the kids' dentist appointments are and all that kind of crap, right? So it was like the thing that happened was the pandemic and people started working from home, but it became a moment to highlight an unequal distribution of domestic labor, right? So you can use a thing to illustrate another thing. Sometimes they're very connected, sometimes not. And then, and this is really important, ask yourself when you're, you know, following a story and you've done all these things, then say, what does my knowledge tell me is being overlooked or not said in this story? So say that you have expertise in, say, the, the fashion industry, and there's a story, uh, you know, say some big designer got busted for using sweatshop labor. Maybe you know something that's not getting named. So you can write or talk about that. You can share your expertise and further brand your knowledge and enter the public conversation with what you know by saying, hey, here's what's missing from the conversation. That also helps you avoid being like that echo chamber where everybody's got a hot take and they're all saying the same shit. 
this is a thing where you can say, my credibility is going to help me stand out in this conversation. And another way you can look at that is when you read stories that are related somehow to your area of knowledge, you know, the things you write about or talk about often, you can say, how does this information relate to the things that I know that I know? If you write or talk a lot about, say, movies or music, and you have a lot of information in that, that area, say you know a ton about movies or, or, you know, a particular genre of movie or music or whatever, you can say, how does this thing happening relate to what I know I know? You know, maybe there's a lot of people that are like, on the bandwagon about some new movie, but you're like, hey, but here's the thing we're not saying. We're not talking about the fact that this director has really changed gears and is doing something else, right? Does that make sense? So you can basically insert your knowledge and expertise into the conversation by identifying what's not being said, what's not being named, or what's maybe not being framed correctly, or what's not being remembered. And then failing all of that, here are some other idea generation methods that I really swear by. I talked about kind of capturing the full idea, the full flow of thought. And and I gave the example of picking a number saying like, I'm going to come up with 50 ideas or 100 or whatever. You can also set a timer and say, I'm just going to write every idea that comes into my head for the next five minutes. So you can do it that way too. You can go to, there's a website called Answer the Public. Again, type in the thing that you know a lot about. To stick with the movies or music example, say that you know a lot about rock music. Go to Answer the Public, type in rock music. When you hit search, you're going to see all this stuff that people are already asking or talking about online. It will blow your mind. It's a really cool website. There's a limit to how many queries you can put in at a time. So like pick your battles on that one, but it will give you a ton of ideas. And also I think it can help you sort of frame an idea. If you generally, oh, I would like to write something right now about X, Y, Z, throw X, Y, Z in there. It'll help you kind of narrow because you'll see all these questions people are asking on all these search platforms in the aggregate. And you'll be able to zoom in on, oh, that's interesting that that's a question. That's a thing I know how to answer. So you can write a piece or or do a podcast about that. The same applies to Google News, as I mentioned. You know, I regularly encourage people to type in their area of expertise into Google News. So, you know, go to Google and then hit News to refine your search, and you will find so much interesting stuff. I know somebody that makes natural, you know, skincare products, and and, and I encouraged them to regularly type in natural skincare into Google News, not to Google Search, because that's going to give you products but in Google News. And then when there are, when there are, say, regulatory issues about natural ingredients or natural skincare, when there's new research development, things like that, that's a way to help find it, especially if it's happening in another city or country from you that wouldn't necessarily be on your local radar. That's a good way to find out about those kind of things. And then you can weigh in on it. You can take a position on it or you can connect with those people or whatever you need to do, but that's going to help you have an idea of a thing to write about or talk about. And so then there's another way for you to figure out more stuff to write about or talk about. So I hope some of that has been useful. I threw a lot at you. If you would like links to this, head to my substack, gooth.substack.com. I make it free and paid, so you can do whatever you want. If you want to get the free version of that, you can. And links to all of these things I've just broken down are in a big post that I wrote very recently called What to Write About, The Big List. It'll give you links to all the techniques that I just talked about. So I hope that's helpful because it kind of breaks my heart to think that really talented people are not moving forward and sharing their talents because they lack ideas, because nobody lacks ideas. We just sometimes lack the tools to access those ideas. 
This has been the Amy Guth Show podcast. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing so you don't miss a single one and be sure and rate and share this podcast. But also you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter, Five Things Worth Sharing by visiting amyguth.com. You can also find me on social media platforms, including Mastodon.